Okay, ladies. We're going to go ahead and get started. But it's so fun to just sit and chat. We don't get to do that. So you already got some of my introduction downstairs. I'm Becky. Uh, one of the things I didn't say downstairs is that I have been on staff at Salem Alliance for the majority of about 12 and a half years now, which feels like a long time. Um, in a whole bunch of different roles. Right now, I am the administrative coordinator for women's ministry, so I get to put on events like this with a great team, like Jen said, and it's a lot of fun. So, wonderful husband, three kids, five, three, two. I was coming tonight, you guys, and I found a whole string of crusty boogers on my, at my knee. I was like, huh, that's apparently the nose height of my two-year-old. So, as a working mom who had three kids in three years, all of them are still at home. None of them are in school yet. My husband works full-time. He's getting his master's degree. I understand the world of distractions. I live here. <laughs> so much so that about a year ago, I found myself literally drowning in distractions. Life was intense. It was blowing and tossing me everywhere. I was exhausted from just life. And yet in the midst of that, I had a deep longing to know the steadfastness of God and to be rooted and grounded in him so the waves stopped tossing me everywhere. So over the last year, I've been on a journey, a journey of recognizing the longings that are in my soul, a journey of giving my soul space to breathe, and a journey where God has gently and lovingly been revealing lie after lie after lie that's been holding me back from experiencing those longings and experiencing more of him. And I am not the same person that I was a year ago. And I believe that I'm not alone in that longing for more of Jesus. Whether it's deeper knowledge or deeper intimacy or the ability to hear his voice more clearly. We want to know him. He created us with that longing to know him. And yet, like me, I think you probably find yourself being blown around by life, fighting in a world that is constantly starting to distract us, a world that feels like I cannot add even one more thing. I can't. And then these distractions often lead us to missing the longings completely because we don't even know they're there. We never take time to pause and even recognize them. Or we just dismiss them because we don't believe there's any way in this life, in this world, we could actually have those longings satisfied. But the reality is, I really believe that those deep heart longings are worth paying attention to. And satisfying those longings is possible in this life. But in order to live a life, that chooses to lean into the longings, a life where those longings are found satisfied, we have to choose it. It is not just going to show up on our doorstep. 
It requires intentionality. It requires sacrifice. Sometimes it requires choosing. Sometimes it's one good thing over another good thing. All of the options are good, but I have to choose just one. And it always requires relinquishing control. And I don't know about you, but I'm not really good at that. But the bottom line is I can't transform myself. I can't fulfill those own longings. I've been reading a book called Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton, and she says just that. I cannot transform myself. But what I can do is create the conditions in which spiritual transformation can take place by developing and maintaining a rhythm of spiritual practices that keep me open and available to God. Spiritual transformation is all about choosing a way of life that opens us to the presence of God in the places of our being where our truest desires and our deepest longings are. Arms wide open. And I don't know about you, but that's why I'm here tonight. Because my deepest longing is to live a life that is open to the presence of God. And to live my life in a way that keeps my heart open and available to any work that he wants to do in my heart. So I want us to start in that place. The place of opening ourselves to the work into the presence of God. So I'd like to pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We sit here as a room of women coming from a world that is so full of things that distract and pull us from you. But God, we are here with our arms wide open saying, we want to hear from you. We want to be open and available to the work that you want to do in our space. Spirit of God, would you guide our conversation? Would your voice speak the things that are unique to us that we need to hear? We are open and ready. So, sneak peek, you already saw my lists. Sorry, they're not mine. They were a group list. But I'm a list person. I really like to make lists, so that's what we're going to do. That's where we're going to start. But I need you to understand, before we get into making lists, since you've already seen what the topics are, there are things that are going to be on this list that you might put in your longing category that someone else would totally put in their distraction category. And distractions to somebody else might be totally what space looks like. So just know that each and every one of us is designed uniquely and beautifully by a creator who knows what we are made of and what we need. So just because something gets put on the board doesn't mean that that's law for everybody. Our list is going to be a compilation made by all of us. So, when you think about the longing for more in your walk with Jesus, what do you want? What are your heart's longings? 
Where do you need him? <laughs> yeah, Tina. Know him better. Absolutely. Mm, yeah, discern his voice. Feel his presence, yeah. Anything else that your heart longs for, Jesus? Fire for God that is similar to those people who are new believers and are truly on fire for him. Yeah. Mm. Be able to share him. Now. When you look at this list, what are the things that distract you from that? What are the things that distract you, distract you from leaning into the longings in your heart? Fear. Kids. Yes. Yes. Too many things on your mind. Yes. Technology. Laziness? Mm -hmm. Worry. That's a good one. I mean, it's not good, but <laughs> there are a lot of good ones. What else distracts you? Work. Routine, yeah. Mm, that's a big one. Insecurities. And that touches on one of the things that I want to point out is sometimes our distractions are external. Our job, our kids, technology. But sometimes our distractions are are internal, and they're nowhere more than just in our brain. Where are the relationships that I'm giving more energy to than what I have to give? What are the things that take up space in my brain and my heart that don't need to? What are the expectations that I have of myself that I need to let go of? My expectations distract me a lot. What roles am I choosing to fill that don't work for me anymore, that I shouldn't be, they aren't mine to fill. 
So when you think about a life <laughs> with space that is poised to hear from God, that is open and available to his work, what does that look like? Yes, please do. Shame, Rosanna, that is a great one. <laughs> please. <laughs> Random thoughts. So what does a life with space look like? Try it. Warm. Focus. I like that one. Refreshing. Intentional. Margin in the schedule. Empty. Rest. Peace. Permission. Yes. Balance. Time. Saying no. Now, when you look at all three of these, sort of side by side, how does that feel? Where do you want to be? I find that the majority of my time is here. But I would much rather be over here on either of these steps. Do you think that one day you're just going to wake up and be here? So far, I've been trying for quite a few years, and so far that hasn't happened yet. We don't get here by accident. It requires an intentional choice. So I will go back to the quotes that I said before. Our job is to create the conditions in which spiritual transformation can take place and to choose a way of life that keeps us open to the presence of God. So I want to tell you a little bit about my story of creating space for drink. So I mentioned, oh, if you were at the gathering a couple weeks ago, Jane Wolfe had a fantastic quote from Richard Rohr. She said, if you're lucky enough, God will lead you to a situation that you cannot control, that you cannot fix, and you cannot even understand. And at that point, 
true spirituality begins. Up to that point, all else is just preparation. So I mentioned that about a year ago, I was lucky enough to find myself in one of those situations. We were moving. Now remember, a year ago, my kids would have been one, two, and four. Not exactly helpful packers. <laughs> the house that we were selling needed several things fixed before we could sell it. The house we were moving to, we had projects that we wanted to do. We were getting ready to launch an event here at the church, and I was working double the amount of hours that I usually do. My husband was trying to finish his internship for school. We had a claim going on our car insurance. We had an ER visit with my daughter, which just happened to be when her insurance plan was being renewed, therefore a lapse of coverage, which wasn't really a lapse of coverage, but that meant bills and phone calls, and it was out of state, and it was complicated, and you guys, I was done. I could not take any more. And what happened in that season, what was coming out of me were old habits, issues that I thought I had dealt with long ago with Jesus. I was so exhausted, I had no ability to filter anything. And I was faced with a raw and deep laws in my character that previously I had been able to manage and keep under control with this apparently excess energy that I had. And I couldn't do it anymore. I didn't have anything left. I found myself in a situation that I could not control and I could not fix. So I had to sit face to face with some of the yuckiest parts of myself, the lies that I was believing, foundational inaccurate beliefs about what God thinks of me and the unspoken pressures that I put on myself. And in that place, you guys, I had a choice. I could keep fighting and keep struggling, stay afloat, or I could relinquish control and throw myself at the feet of Jesus. That's what I chose to do. I acknowledged the longings that were in my heart. And I began begging God to reshape me at my core beyond just these behavior modifications that I had been able to do in the past. I begged God to continue revealing the lies, even though I really didn't want to look at them and they were painful to look at. I asked him to give me courage to lean in and face it all. And let he has been nothing as I was preparing for this I went back to some of my journal entries from a year ago that's always an experience and there was one entry that was like the crux it was the turning point and I was crying out to God with this mess that was inside of me and I ended my last line that I wrote was and I will stand on the other side of the season a different woman. And that couldn't be more true. I am not the woman that I was a year ago. But the work that God needed to do required space. And as the days and the months went on, I had to find ways, both external ways and internal ways, to create space space to breathe, space to be quiet, 
space to see him in the little tiny moments of my day. Um, in another one of the books that Ruth Haley Barton wrote, she says, an essential discipline is to craft times of quiet in which we allow God to show us the things that we might otherwise miss. We need time for the chaos in our soul to settle so that we can turn aside and look at the great sights that are in our life and seek understanding about what they mean. And that's what the last year has been about for me. Creating time for things that I might otherwise miss. Space for the chaos of my soul to settle. And space and awareness to see what's already in my life that I just need to ask for understanding about. It has been life-changing. Now, your story is not going to look like mine. Every one of us has a story that's unique to us. But I think there are some key pieces that are going to fit into every journey. The first one is that our emotions are a window into our longing. I recently had an experience. It's a group social thing. And I walked away and I was like, oh, that was yucky. That was awkward. You know, we all have those. Like we leave and we're like, what? Oh, what just happened? I felt left out. I felt rejected. I felt unimportant. I didn't belong. And I started trying to push past those feelings. Becky, your identity is rooted in Christ. You don't need to feel included in this group. You don't need all of these things. Just be strong. Lean into him. And I just paused and I went, what are my emotions telling me about belongings in my heart right now? I long to be wanted. I long to be needed, to feel important, to feel like I matter, to feel like I have something to offer, like I'm a part of something. So I immediately started praying to God to take those longings away. I don't, God, get rid of this need to be needed. God, get rid of this need that I have to be a part of something. And then I stopped. <laughs> and he said, but the longings aren't bad. I gave you the longings to drive you to me. The longings weren't the problem. The problem was where I was looking to have those longings met. And the emotions that were rising up in me were because my longing wasn't being met. I was looking to people and to this group experience to have those needs met. And because I let myself process that way, you guys, I had the most beautiful and powerful time of confession with Jesus. God, I'm looking to other people to fill the needs that you designed to draw me to you. And healing came. But I could have walked all the way past that had I said, I just got to be stronger. Don't let these people bug me. Get over it. But I chose to give my emotions space. Our emotions are a window into what our longings are. 
And I also think that our distractions can often be the very thing that leads us to God. How many times do you sit down to pray or have quiet time and your brain will not shut off? The lists are running. They won't stop. And you try to clear your mind and all the distractions come back. And you do this little fight again and you push it all away and you're still distracted. Most of the time I get frustrated and I just go walk away and I start doing the to-do list that's running in my head because why waste my time? Why waste Jesus' time? But what if we chose to take our distractions with us to God? What if when I sat down to be with God and a distraction kept coming back to me and coming back to me, what if I paid attention? What if I asked God, what do you want to say to me about this distraction? Why can't I let this go? Let your distractions lead you to God rather than push you away from him. Another thing that I think um, is important, and we've talked about it a little bit, it's just creating space has to be intentional. It's not just going to happen. It's going to require making choices. You know that every time you say yes to something, you're also saying no to something else. And if you are going to say yes to space, it means you have to say no to something else. And that means sometimes it requires sacrifice. And sometimes it's sacrificing things that are really good. Sometimes it's sacrificing, dare I say, more church activities. Sometimes it's saying no to relationships. On my journey, I have made some really practical changes. Um, but no, again, I'm going to give you a list of things. But it's only to spark ideas. <laughs> These things are very specific to my journey. And probably won't apply to all of you. But let God use them <laughs> to spark your heart. So one of the first things I did was quit one of the small groups that I was a part of. And I loved this group. They were fabulous women. And I met with them every week. And I loved meeting with them. But I had no margin for more relationships. I couldn't handle another set of relationships. So I quit. I am learning, we talked about it, to say no. And here's the kicker. Without justifying my reason. No one else needs my excuses of why I'm going to say no. I can say no just because I want to say no. I can say no when I have nothing else on my calendar. I could sit around in my pajamas when I tell you no to that coffee date, and that would be okay. No one else is held accountable before God for your choices. Only you. You don't have to have a reason. If your soul feels like it needs space, you say no. Now, I say that like it's an easy thing. It's been a year-long process. I am learning to be okay with open white space on my calendar. That one's also not very easy. <laughs> I have also, this is one of my really more practical things, I've taken a major step back from Facebook. And I've set some very specific boundaries for myself about how I do that. I took the app off my phone 
I only let myself check it one time a day, and I won't do it if my kids are around. I changed all my settings, so I only see the pieces that I want to see. It's, Facebook is a fantastic tool. Our community group uses that as its main way to communicate. Our neighborhood uses that as a way to communicate. There are events that are planned. I, it still serves a purpose. But I don't scroll. Because where do you stop? You just keep scrolling. I don't browse my newsfeed. Do I miss out on things? Yeah. Do I miss out on people's big announcements? Yep. You know what I learned? The world keeps going. I find out about their big news somewhere else. Kind of like in the days that used to exist before we had Facebook. And another random social media thing that I've done is I moved my Instagram app so it's several clicks away. It's in a folder on a different page. And you guys, I have to think. I give myself a few clicks before I actually choose. Sometimes I just get one click and I go, oh, no, I don't really want to do that. It's not worth it. But I make myself think before I do it. Now, all of these things are removing things, removing distractions, but I've also done some things to lean into the open space and into Jesus. Muscle memory, you guys, with our phones is a real thing. I put my Bible app where my Facebook app used to be. So I pick up my phone and my, oh, I'm hitting the Bible. And I, you guys, I also used to be really against Bible, like, technology like I didn't get the Bible on my phone for a really long time like I want a Bible in my hand but I started doing reading plans in my Bible app because when I have that muscle memory and I pick it up and I go oh yeah I'll go ahead and click the Bible I don't then go uh what am I supposed to read hmm. it's already there for me now those are not my most life-changing experiences with scripture but that surely beats scrolling through my newsfeed on Facebook and it keeps my heart focused whether it's life-changing or not I'm choosing truth about Jesus I've also been working to find other brainless activities see we want brainless and we pick up our phone and go to Facebook now tell me how many of you when you actually get done with Facebook put it down and go oh I feel so much more rested I feel really refreshed no, we feel overwhelmed. We're exhausted by the world. The world's coming to an end. Everybody's fighting. Oh, yeah, there was one piece of happy news. So-and-so's having a baby. That's cool. I've needed to find other ways, other brainless activities that aren't Facebook. I got a jigsaw app, jigsaw puzzle app on my phone. That's a fun one. I still use my phone. I still play games. I've started going to the library and reading novels. What? Who does that anymore? Apparently I do. And I really like it. <laughs> I know I had a whole crowd over here. No, I do. I love going to the library at the last class. I've also picked just one or two small groups and communities of people to engage and live my life with. I've let go of a lot of groups, especially some online ones. And honestly, that was really hard. I have a group of women who I went to college with, we've been in this little group with the same people, like 25 women for the last four or five years. We've all had babies together. We've moved. We've transitioned jobs. We have prayed each other through really hard stuff. And that was a hard one to let go of. 
But you know what? God has met my need for close friends and community in ways that I could never have dreamed of. And you know what? They're with real life people who exist, who can bring their kids to my house, who I can take a meal to when their life is hard. That beats a Facebook group any day. I've also, I feel hypocritical with him, this one. I have really been trying to make quiet times a priority. I go through seasons just like everybody else. So I feel hypocritical because the last few weeks have not been good. I will confess that here. But I really try to make that a priority. And I'm a morning person. And sometimes that means I have to force myself to go to bed earlier than I want what I want to. Because I know it's a priority for me to get up before my kids are awake and have some coffee and some Jesus. Here's another good one. Does anybody remember Steve's sermon from Christmas about getting in the slow lane of traffic and the longest line at the grocery store? I go grocery shopping with three little kids. I do not choose this all the time. But I have really tried to live my life at a slower pace, to stop hurrying everywhere I go, to stop rushing my kids out the door. I am also a very musical person, and worship music is one of the ways that God speaks the most clearly and the most deeply to me. I keep worship music on in my house constantly. I have an iPad that sits on my counter next to the speaker, and I turn it on as soon as I go down, start getting the kids breakfast, and I turn it off when I go to bed. Now, for my husband, this ends up on his distraction list. Sometimes we have to turn it off because the, no, the constant noise is not for everybody. But for me, it keeps my heart focused. And I'll just be going about my day, doing dishes. I'm not even paying attention to it. It's just playing. And all of a sudden, the line will stand out. And, I'll go, and I stop and I pause. God, why did that stand out? Where does that fit? What does that mean? And I've tried to keep that same idea being a regular part of my life now. When something catches my attention, whether it's a verse, or a conversation with somebody, or a lyric of a song, or a strong feeling or an emotion. I choose to pause. I ask God, what does this mean? Why does that stand out to me? Why did only that one line of the song catch me? Why do I feel this way? Now, just because these lists of things work for me doesn't mean it's for everybody. And identifying the things that distract you and the things that will become your own healthy rhythms are only his to tell you. So, instead of just talking about space, I want to gift you with some space tonight. Um, so, I know it's weird when we're like sitting in rows with a big group of people. But if you need to move, move. If you want to sit here, great. We'll take five or ten minutes. I just want to give you some space to ask God to speak into this area. God, is there a longing that I haven't even acknowledged? God, are there distractions that you want to see me change? And God, is there a way that I can create space that I haven't seen yet?
I believe that you are all capable people who could come up with some really good ideas. But what I want is for you to ask God those questions. Give him a space and a chance to speak into the places that he's calling.